Hey everyone, this is Jack here, and this is the seventh episode of the Off the Beaten Path podcast. So right now, I am walking down a street in Chile, a place called San Pedro de Atacama. It's walking along the main street here, and it's full, packed full of tourist agencies, and there are some dogs lying on the street. I don't think they belong to anyone, they just sort of hang around. Uh, this is a really touristy spot, <laughs> quite the contrast from where I've been for the past week in the quiet city of, the quiet outskirts of Jujuy in Argentina. Um, but yeah, I have gone to my third country now and I'm continuing on my journey. And it was really tough to say goodbye to my last spot. I kind of got quite acclimated to the peaceful, slow lifestyle there, um, So, going back to the end of my last podcast, I was just about to take... So, I say it was a peaceful time there in Hujoy, but this day, this day was the one exception. It's a bit of a wild story. I kind of foreshadowed it in my last podcast that I was going to... uh, I was going to rent a car with a group of friends, and it was a really good idea, (laughs) Um, and it, you know, we ended up having a good time, but it ended up being quite harrowing and chaotic and stressful, but we did see a lot of stuff in one day, and that was kind of the goal, is to get a car, see all the things, and come back. Um, So yeah, a little bit about the group. We all met on Couchsurfing. I created an event on there, and... uh, just said, hey, anyone interested in renting a car, splitting the price, and driving around? A uh, guy from Argentina responded and said, hey, you know, I don't, I don't mind. I'd love to join, but I don't have the money. But I'd be willing to do all the driving if you're up for that. And we're like, okay, that sounds good. And then a few other people responded. A guy from Belarus, which is a country west of Russia. Um, and then a couple who living are living in Spain. One of them is Argentinian and another is Polish. So we had quite the international car with a decent mix of Spanish and English and Eastern European languages. It was pretty interesting. And, yeah, we, we were seeing all the sights around Hujoy. This was the day after my last podcast, basically. We woke up early in the morning. The, the goal was to see all the sights around Hujoy, and we uh, get to the rental car company knowing, you know, bright and early, as early as they open, knowing that, you know, we have a lot of driving to do. We want to try and get in as much as possible. And I don't know what it is about the rental process, but it took like a full hour just to like sign all the documents and, you know, there was all these warnings and, you know, if the if the engine goes out, it's your fault and you're completely liable. And of course, this is all in Spanish and we're having to translate. And so this goes on and on. So we don't end up getting out of Hujoy until like 10.30 a.m. or something like that, even though we got there at 9. But, oh man... Just walking. I need to slow my face down. The altitude is getting to me a little bit here. Um, yeah, so we um, we left Hujoy around 10.30. And uh, the first place that we went is called Permamarca, which is this lovely little town maybe an hour north of Hujoy. And we were really kind of taking our time at that point. Um, and it was great. I mean, Permamarca is a cute little town, and we wandered around a little bit and saw... The, one of the main reasons you go there is there's this... From the, the city itself, from the Pueblo, Pueblo means town, you can see the, uh, the mountains there, just like right next to the city. I think it's called Seven Color Mountain or something like this. 
it's really beautiful, uh, really great views, and I took some cool pictures. I don't think I've posted them on Instagram yet, but I think I'll do that after this. And yeah, it was really cool. Then we uh, went and bought some some bread from the panaderia, some meat and cheese. Had a super cheap, easy lunch, and uh, you know, I just sort of sat in the park and leisurely ate. It was really pleasant. Got in the car and. Um, we got it, went to our next destination. We were trading music in the car, which was pretty cool. So the first half of the day was really chill, just a lot of fun. Our next stop was also really beautiful as well. The, the salt flats, uh, the massive salt flats that are outside um, Hujoy. They're called Salinas Grandes. And went there and took a bunch of pictures. And it was at this point, it's like, wow, it's starting to get pretty late. Oh, well, it's a little bit more about the salt flats. Like... Salt flats are bizarre landscape because they're so flat that you can do all these weird sort of perspective effects. So we were playing with these pictures where, you know, some one person stands like 20 feet behind the other one and it looks like they're a miniature version of themselves. And, you know, just playing around. We took a little tour. I think we paid like, oh, I can't even remember now. I'm on the Chilean peso instead of the Argentinian peso, so my numbers are all confused. Anyway, it wasn't much, and we took this little tour around the salt flats, took tons of pictures, we're really taking our time, and then we're like, oh man, we still have a lot of driving to do if we want to see this last big site. So we got in the car, and we're like, oh, all right, we're going to do it. We're going to go to this last spot, because it's supposed to be really beautiful. Um, it's this place called 14 Color Mountain, and uh, Humawaka is the name of the city. Uh, Umawaka, actually, no H, don't pronounce that H. And, yeah, uh, we took the, I don't know, it was supposed to be just a two-hour drive to Umawaka, the city. But we ended up getting caught in, like, a traffic jam coming down the mountains. Oh, I should say that all of these sites are, like, at 4,000 meters, uh, over 12,000 feet. And I was feeling it, <laughs> you know. Up at Salinas Grandes, I was, you know, getting a little headache, not feeling the best. Um, luckily, uh, one of my friends in the car brought some coca leaves um, and you put these in your mouth and they sort of relieve the effects of altitude sickness so that was helpful uh, but and no thank you um, someone asked me if I'm looking for a tour that is very common on the street because there's so many tour agencies um, yeah uh, so ha had a little bit of altitude sickness throughout the day particularly at this final location so uh, we get caught in a traffic jam, like I said, coming back from Salinas Grandes, which delays us even further. And we get to Humawaka like an hour before sunset. And when we get there, we realize like, this is the desert, by the way. We're in the, you know, the outskirts of the Atacama Desert, the driest desert on earth. But there'd been a rainstorm in Humawaka. And it was very clear because the streets were like, rivers like there was streets that you were crossing over that were these like just flowing all this water because the ground is so dry i guess it doesn't absorb anything that well so when it rains it really just goes uh so it, we get to umawaka it's you know there's tons of rain and we turn onto the dirt road that goes up to this uh this last bit to 14 color mountain so there's the city and then there's this dirt road 
that takes you to this beautiful viewpoint of the mountain. And we, it was all, it was very muddy from all the rain. And so we talked to someone and the first person said like, oh, the road's closed. I don't think you can go up there. But then we asked the second person, they're like, oh no, it's open. You can go. And everyone really still wanted to go. I was feeling a bit wary. I was like, guys, maybe we shouldn't go. But they're like, oh, let's do it. Um, so we go and we keep going up the mountain and up and up and up. And, you know, it's it was a short drive on the map, but this road was ridiculous. And the mud didn't help. I mean, the car was just covered in mud. And it's, you know... Uh, all these switchbacks were going up. It's the highest point we'd been all day. I think it was 4,300 meters or something like that at the end. Um, and, you know, you're starting to feel the altitude sickness. And it's just uh, the sun was setting as well. So, you know, the whole point of going up there was this for this great view. But if it's dark, you can't see anything. So it was uh, we were wanting to be efficient in getting up there. But you're driving up these switchbacks on this giant mountain without any guardrails in the mud. In the beginning, we were even, like, losing traction and drifting a little bit. It was quite harrowing. Uh, but luckily, the, the guy that was driving, a friend of mine, Jonathan, is, was incredible. A really good driver. And it was very safe. There was ever any point that it felt dangerous. Um, but, and I will say, like, for most of the steep incline stuff going up, it was drier for some reason. It wasn't as wet. So we finally make it to the top. And get out of the car, and it's freezing. I mean, just freezing cold. It's probably below zero Celsius. Um, and we have this... Uh, it's kind of a cloudy day from all the rain. Like, very cloudy, actually. But there's a break in the clouds, and you can see 14-color mountain, like, right as the sun is setting. So we hopped out freezing, took a couple of pictures. There maybe five, ten minutes, you know, taking pictures. And we're like, okay, we really need to get down. And right as we were getting ready to leave, it started raining again and hailing at the top of this mountain with us in an hour-long dirt road back to the city. <laughs> so this is, uh, this is where it got quite stressful. Um, the driver, who had been pretty chill and like intent on going forward, he was getting a bit nervous and... Um, you know, we had some communication barriers. He doesn't speak the best English, and I clearly don't speak the best Spanish. And we were like, how to, how to use the defroster? Should it be on cold or hot? And, you know, just like all this like weird back and forth. And I was playing some, like, I was in charge of the music, and I wasn't really paying attention, and Tool was playing. And he was like, can you please turn this off? It's so suspenseful. I'm like, oh, sorry, sorry. So, yeah, this, the windshield is freezing up. You know, there's mud everywhere from all the rain and hail and everything thing but again we were very careful going down and it wasn't like we were the only ones up there either we saw a truck blaze past us going up and then blaze past us coming back down uh just you know i guess there's people that drive it all the time and don't really worry about that sort of thing so it was still all safe and we made it down we made it down successfully and uh as we were pulling back into the city i put on we are the champions by queen and that was a a big hit (laughs) so that's not even the end of the night um we make it down and then we still have a two-hour drive back to hohoi after this long day i think it was a total of seven hours of driving and um we had to drop some friends off at a hostel but the hostel was full and then it was we picked up some hitchhikers along the way just because just because i don't even know there it was all it was all fine it was nice people but it took a while to get home and we 
ended up dropping off the driver in the city at like 11 p.m. And it's me and one other guy, this Belarusian guy that's good friend, you know, he's a really nice guy. And we have to drive 20 minutes north of the city to get home. To finally be home, there's just one short drive between us. The problem is, is that this is a manual car, and I can't drive a manual car. Um, but my Belarusian friend can drive it just fine. So uh, he, gets, he, he gets in the driver's seat, and uh, he's like, oh, this is a little different. Um, so again, it's the end of the night. We're all tired. I mean, just exhausted uh, from being in the car all day. We woke up early. We just want to get home, and uh, he's like, oh, the, the gear shifting is a little different. I can't figure out how to put it in reverse, and, you know, we try and figure it out for a little bit, and I don't know. I've, I don't, I haven't driven a manual car, so I'm just like, well, you know, it's late. There's not any traffic. What we'll do is we'll just, we won't worry. You won't need to put it in reverse. Let's just, let's just go. Ten seconds later, I direct him to go the wrong way on a one-way road, and we turn left in front of a bus. And he needs to go. It was I like something out of a movie, almost. I, I tell him, well, now we need to put it in reverse. And of course, he's just panicking, trying to figure out how to change the gear shifter. And it felt like an hour because, you know, the, the truck's beeping at us. The, the bus is inching forward. The lights changed. Uh, we need to get out of the center of the intersection. And my friend figures it out. All you had to do was pull up on a little knob to switch it into reverse, like pull up on the gear shift. And he puts it in reverse, and we, we make it home just fine. But, man, we laughed about that for hours afterwards. It's just like something out of a movie. Just the timing of, well, let's just go. We won't need to put it in reverse. Let's go. Ten seconds later, and now we need to put it in reverse. Oh, it was so, so hilarious. But <laughs> in the moment, after that stressful day, it was uh, quite harrowing. So, the next morning... Um, I was determined that I wanted to learn how to drive a manual car. So I actually drove the car back to the city after watching a YouTube video and getting coaching from my Belarusian friend and this lovely German lady that was also staying at the same cow surfing place as me. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was all right. You know, it's not too bad to drive a manual car. I think I still need to work on going from stop to getting it moving a little bit, but yeah, it's not so bad. But I think it would have been a little rough for me, my first day driving, to have been on that muddy mountain. So I'm very grateful for my Argentinian friend who uh, did all the driving that day. So yeah, returned the car successfully. Didn't have any charges for all the mud that we put on it or, you know, anything like that. Uh, so very happy to get the car back safely with all the drivers and all the crazy situations we were in. Um, so yeah, that was definitely the, the most harrowing part of my time in Huhoi and it's it's even more magnified because the rest of my time was just so incredibly relaxing and peaceful and you know wake up every day uh, have breakfast with whoever's staying in uh, this uh, couch surfing place my host Lewis is one of the most generous nice people I've ever met I mean just you know, he treats you like a son from the moment he meets you. It's like he picked me up from the bus terminal. I mentioned this on the last podcast. I was taking a bus late at night to come here to San uh, San Pedro, and he dropped me off at the bus terminal at 1 a.m. Me and my, actually the driver for the car was taking the same bus. The guy, Jonathan, we ended up taking the same bus here. And he, like, invited Jonathan to come over for lunch. We watched a football game together. 
and you know was offering us beer and food all the time just such a generous nice person and you know I paid for a few things you know I bought some groceries here or there but it was hard to let him pay for it <laughs> let me pay for anything to get him to let me pay for anything so yeah it was uh really just an incredible experience and you know since I've been here he's been messaging me how's it going and you know wants to keep up with me so I'm going to keep sending him pictures of my travels he wants to see see me on a boat in the Amazon um and he actually reckoned the next city that I'm going to is called Akike and he he's the one that told me about that so really grateful to have met this amazing person and it's connected me with so many other people too um, the lovely German lady who I was staying, who was also a guest with Lewis, um, she's a biker and has been traveling by bike around the world, I, I don't know, for a year. Uh, maybe maybe not a year, but she's been doing it on and off for a long, long time. And it's really cool to chat with her. And we nerded out about languages and math and just all sorts of stuff. We really connected too. So, yeah, it was. I, I feel great to have, so grateful to have stayed there. And um, got to cook a bunch of good food, too. Uh, I kind of became the chef while I was there. I think I made steak one night. We made mashed potatoes with that. A bunch of different types of vegetables. Vegetables. Um, I made this really... Oh, there was one day, got some beef from the market and slow-cooked it all day in, like, homemade tomato sauce with a bunch of spices. And then got some penne noodles... And, uh, you know, had this all with, like, mushrooms and onions and garlic. And we ate on that for a few days. That was, that was really good. And then every day, Lewis uh, would pick up food from this place where he always buys lunch. And that was really great, too. We just had fresh food all the time. We ate meals together. It's like really, you wake up in the morning, you eat breakfast together. Then you have some time. And then Lewis comes home from work around 2 or 3. And maybe I go to the city with him one morning, maybe I don't, stay at home and do some planning, travel planning or something. Um, then we would eat lunch together. And Lewis would stay there for a couple more hours. This period in Argentina is called siesta, which means nap, but it's, it's, it's not necessarily a nap the whole time. People just go home from work in the hottest part of the day from maybe like 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. And maybe I mentioned this in the last podcast too, but yeah, it was uh, really nice to be able to have meals together um, for lunch. Yeah, and then he would go back to work for maybe 5 to 9, and I would cook something for dinner, you know, heat up some leftovers. We had so much food all the time there for the past, last few days that, that I felt crazy to try and cook a massive meal. But, um, you know, made some little things here and there, took up some vegetables and sautéed them or made something. So it's really fun to cook and, you know, keep doing... Uh, trying lots of new spices and stuff, new fruits and vegetables. So yeah, overall my time at Lewis's was very relaxing. The dogs were amazing. Uh, the cat, <laughs> this cat, uh, Gatti, the Spanish word for cat is gato, and Gatti means like small cat. Um, and this cat was always on me every night that I was sleeping, just cuddled up next to me, snuggled in between my legs, my neck, on my body, just everywhere, just always on me. It was so cute. A little, little too much sometimes, but it was it was great. Yeah, and the the one of the dogs that I really bonded with, Ralph, is a boxer. My first dog was a boxer, and uh, I I didn't realize I had such a soft spot for him, but I definitely do. He's incredibly energetic, three year old dog, but 
bounced around like a puppy. Would just bounce, jumping, jumping all the time. Always wanted to play and uh, would just sometimes be in a mood to just fight. You know, just like, I want to stand on top of you and, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do about it? And then you just fight him. Oh, he was so great. So, yeah, it was amazing having all this time with animals and it's, again, this sort of like, oh, just, it's tough to leave. So you get used to this rhythm, this routine of staying at a place. And then, well, time to take a night bus to the next country <laughs> um and so yeah that uh that night bus brought me here and it was probably my toughest night bus yet because it left 2 30 in the morning nominally but we didn't actually get out of there till 3 30 in the morning and then we had a border crossing at chile at 7 30 and i didn't sleep the best in those four hours so i was so delirious at the border crossing in chile um it was uh i think yeah i was just groggy and the altitude was getting to me i think we were already at like 3,000 meters 3,500 meters at that point so i just woke up with a headache no coffee and i like misspelled all a bunch of stuff on the forms i was just so delirious um and then they gave us the coffee after we got on the bus i'm like well okay um and yeah the bus got here around midday and yesterday i just took kind of a chill day because i was just so burnt out from that bus ride um and tried to figure out, oh my gosh, so arrived here in San, uh, San Pedro, and it's a very different vibe from Hujoy, which is, you know, this Argentinian town, you don't really hear any English, all the tourists are from other parts of Latin America, it seems like, but here it's, uh, people come here from all over the world, you hear French, and Spanish, and English, and English with lots of different accents, you know, Australians, and Germans, and, um, yeah, very much a touristy spot where I'm at now. And just walking, I'm, this main street that I'm walking down right now, I think there's a hundred tour agencies and they all have different deals to all the things that you can see around the desert here. There's so much to see. There's geysers and these crazy valleys that haven't gotten rain for 200 years. And uh, it's the, like I said, the driest desert on earth. Um, so yeah, there's a, I actually went on my first tours today, but it was really tough yesterday trying to figure out which... I went to, like, eight of these different tour agencies, and they're all quoting me different prices for different things. I don't really know what I want to see, and they give you discounts for different... You know, if you book multiple of different things. So it was all pretty uh, frustrating after just a couple hours of sleep, knowing that I need to go ahead and book something, because I only have a couple days here. It's kind of expensive here, so I don't want to stay for too long. I just want to see a few sites and keep moving on um so I ended up bouncing around between a few tour agencies and then one tour agency was like well I can recommend this other tour agency if you think we're too expensive I'm like oh that's nice um and it was yeah uh, it ended up working out well and went on my first set of tours today which was really nice I did have to wake up at 7 a.m which was kind of a bummer but I managed to get eight hours of sleep um left for the uh the tour and we um, went down to these beautiful red rock formations along the Andes Mountains, uh, which were really lovely. And these lagoons that we overlooked and had, like, breakfast included. So, you know, you go out there and you're sitting and they have coffee and this lovely French bread and jam and butter and um, ham and cheese. And, you know, the, the food really added something just to 
eat breakfast and then have these amazing views of the Andes Mountains with this like serene lagoon. And we saw these little, um, they look like deer. Oh man, I'm forgetting the names. Uh, I'll have to get back to that. I'll, whenever I post pictures, I'll actually make sure I have the name of this creature. It's like, uh, looks like a deer, but it's actually related more closely to the llamas and alpacas that are here. And same family as camels as well. So, uh, kind of this small, weird deer. Uh, we saw a, a, quite a few of these uh, around the, the mountains and the lagoons. And that was really cool just to see them wander around and chew on grass and try and sneak up to them and take a few pictures. Um, yeah, and then uh, after that, we went over to uh, some salt flats, which was really nice uh, because we got to see some flamingos. And this is like the, the natural habitat of flamingos is here in Chile. And there's like three major types that were all coming through here. It's really cool to see them in their natural habitat. And it, I was kind of like, oh, I've already been some, to some salt flats. But this salt flat was really different. Um, I think the other one was mostly sodium chloride, but this one has apparently lots of other salt deposits in it, uh, arsenic and lithium and the, all these other things, and uh, gave the uh, appearance of the salt flat. It looked a quite quite a bit different, so that was cool uh, to see. You know, just a completely different type of salt flat. So, yeah, um, we also stopped into a few small towns, which is really nice. Got to see these ancient churches and buildings from way back where, like, the door is made of cactus that it's, you know, from a hundred years ago or something crazy. Um, that was cool. And the, the, I really clicked with the tour guide. Um, and she's actually going to be my tour guide tomorrow when I go see some geysers in this giant uh, valley called um, Valley of the Moon. So... Yeah, uh, it's been it's been a good day. I'm you know I was a little wary about spending the money on the tour, but I, I saved so much money uh, in Argentina just living frugally, and uh, I, I can afford to spend a little bit on these tours. It's just a little bit of sticker shock because Chile's a little Chile is a little bit more expensive, but uh, overall it's been pretty worth it. I would say at least that first tour. To, the first tour today was just really great. It included lunch, too. We went to this little lunch place, and um, it's kind of small, little... It's kind of hard to describe. I wouldn't call it a cafeteria, but there was someone that makes food just for these tours, I think, and she had all these different dishes prepared, and you could choose between them, and I got this roasted chicken dish that was really good with noodles, and um, yeah, it was quite unique. Uh, So, yeah. First day in San Pedro, spent our first full day has been pretty great so far, and I'm um, I'm taking some advice from my friend Brian Gerwey to go eat at a restaurant that he ate at 15 years ago because he used to live like an hour or two from here, so that's where I'm going for dinner, which is pretty exciting. Um, so yeah, that's that's about where I'm at now. Um, still spending a lot of time learning Spanish every day. Uh, as a matter of fact, on the bus ride today, I was just I spent hours looking up things in the Spanish dictionary and then, like, writing them down in my own personal document just to, like, try and help remember different vocabulary words and that sort of thing. And I um, had a somewhat successful conversation with some other people in the tour group from España. So that was pretty great. Um, but it's still... it's There's just so many words I don't know. Um, so I think it just... keep 
keep practicing at it and keep taking time, I'll, I'll get there. But it's, uh, Chilean Spanish is quite hard because they speak really fast. Really, really fast. And they use a lot of slang. Um, so I've gone from one type of hard Spanish in Argentina to a different hard type in Chile. But I hear Peruvian Spanish is a lot easier. So hopefully I'll uh, cut my teeth in all these difficult versions of Spanish and then be able to actually communicate a lot more in Peru. I guess we'll see. So yeah, I think with that I will call it for this podcast. And uh, I'll try... I worked hard to uh, have an update one week and hopefully I'll do another update a week from now. So try and keep up this pace of posting. All right, with that, see you guys in the next one.